Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 63 of the podcast. Now, today I've had the massive pleasure of sitting down with Jaya Jaya Myra to talk about all things health and wellness. Now, Myra is a world leader when it comes to health and some of the tips that she shares on different food types to eat, healthy eating, uh, the benefits of routines, uh, meditation, mindfulness, and just general tips on how to live a happier and healthier life. Now, Mara has been so fantastic with her time today that uh, everybody will get so much out of this interview. So um, I'd grab a pen and paper because Mara is going to mention some really simple tips that you can implement straight away to make massive changes in your day-to-day life. I hope you enjoy, guys. Cheers. Mara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me, Dale. Um, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm really good, thank you. Now, you are one extremely busy person, and I must admit I've really enjoyed strolling through your website and seeing everything you're doing. How do you find the time in the day to even fit in a podcast with me? That is a very good question. Honestly, I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy doing podcasts and radio interviews. It's wonderful for me to be able to connect with like-minded people who have a passion for wellness and conscious living. Fantastic. And and I do love that. And I'm really excited for our chat today. Now, for listeners who haven't uh, obviously been uh, around your work or seen the amazing things you're doing, do you want to just give a little bit of a background of uh, sort of your journey to where you are at the moment? Absolutely. So the things that I'm doing right now are essentially promoting a natural wellness lifestyle and helping people find ways to be happy and healthy and conscious that match their unique constitution type. So the journey that led me to here is a bit of an interesting one. I started off my career as a scientist. I worked for several years as a molecular biologist, both in academia doing research and directly in the pharmaceutical industry. And at some point in that journey, I I was definitely dissatisfied with what I was doing. I was unhappy with the standard models of animal testing. A lot of the stuff didn't make sense to me. And I ended up facing my own health crisis when my doctor diagnosed me with absolutely debilitating fibromyalgia. So the icing on the cake to that situation for me was that neither science nor medicine could make me better. And in fact, all of the standard medical treatments made me worse. So I was forced to take my entire life and look at what I had been doing up to that point and decided if I wanted to continue on a track that wasn't able to do anything to help me when my passion was for finding uh, cures and helping people to be well or finding a different way. So I ended up healing myself naturally from fibromyalgia and anxiety and depression that went along with that process completely naturally using alternative methods. And now I'm a very strong advocate for that and helping people to understand how they can find approaches that are going to improve their lifestyle and well-being. 
I think that's amazing. And uh, I think as a mentor and everything you're doing to actually have a story behind you and not saying it was a good thing what you went through, but I can imagine that's changed your outlook and perspective on life massively since you've had to deal with that and overcome it. It definitely did change my perspective or at least my focal point. I had always been interested in more natural health and wellness ever since I was a child because I grew up with a mother that had a lot of health problems. But I decided to go the the conventional route with medicine and science, and I worked in immunobiology research. I had, at that time, thought that was probably the way that I was going to be able to make the biggest difference. So as I continued along with, with my journey and also with my spiritual journey, I began to realize that that wasn't necessarily true. I saw how things really worked from the inside of the industry. Uh, I saw many professors in academia who were disgruntled with the scientific process and what happens in pharmaceutical companies. And it became evident to me very quickly uh, that those very large money makers are not the way to find actual cures for anything or to to truly help people. I, I think the industry started off in a very positive way. And nowadays, just understanding the process of what it takes for a drug to go from being made to, to get approved literally has very little to do with how effective it is. So that was very disheartening for me. And then, of course, when I got sick I, and then being able to heal myself naturally, that totally changed my perspective. And I decided that I didn't want to continue doing research or get the credentials. I, I was like a hair's breadth away from graduating with my PhD when I walked away from all of that. I decided I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to live my life solidly in accordance with my purpose and to only do things that I truly believed in. I think that's amazing. You're so close to finishing and you just realized that it actually didn't matter to you because you realize that there was a different purpose for you. Now, I love one thing that um, you mentioned that uh, not one shoe fits all, you know, not everybody, you know, is the same. Do you want to sort of talk a little bit more about that? Because I think a lot of medicine and health and things, they promote certain things that may fit certain people, but not everybody. Yes, and that is one of the main problems that I have found with the traditional Western approach to medicine and research. So both traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, uh, Siddha medicine, a lot of the natural healing systems that are out there and have been out there for thousands of years, they all look at things in terms of your individual constitution and type. So there was this recognition from day one that there's not one standard approach that will ever work for anyone. And the system that I utilize is very much in alignment with Ayurveda, although as opposed to talking about the three doshas of vata, pitta, and kapha, I actually break it down to the elemental level. So if you study Ayurveda, everything ultimately boils down to those five elemental types, which then make up those three doshas. So the system I use is just a little bit more fine-tuned and specific, and it helps to get into not only your physical body constitution type, but also your mental temperament, your disposition, and even your life purpose. So it's a great system for fully understanding yourself, being able to connect to your spirituality, to your purpose, and understanding what you really need to do to stay healthy. And honestly, so many people I found don't understand that even between, say, you and your spouse or you and your children, what you might need to do to stay healthy or the sort of 
uh, herbal remedies that you might take would be completely different from someone else. Yeah, and I think unless you actually, you know, speak to somebody that knows Hey, Google, that, stop. You what, sorry, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, yeah, unless, unless you actually have been told that, um, a lot of people are probably, you know, they might be low on energy, they might have lack motivation, but they actually don't know why. And um, I think what you're saying is that by using these different types of medicine that you're able to fix this or help people with a different direction. Is that sort of where you're going with that, Moira? Yeah, it's with a different direction, but it's also just fascinating to understand that, hey, if you take an herbal supplement for a particular problem, we could look at it from the traditional approach of uh, X herb, like for example, let's look at an Ayurvedic herb called ashwagandha. Uh, That herb is not going to work in the same way for two different people. It's going to manifest itself completely differently in your physical body and in your temperament than the person even standing next to you. So really this comes down to a paradigm shift in how we think about wellness and consciousness and health. Nice. I really like that. Now, one thing I get a lot from people is that I'm too busy. My life's too busy to fit in exercise. My life's too busy to eat healthy. I can't prepare prepare my meals, you know. Um, I think this is an excuse, um, but I suppose that's just how some people are. Now, for those busy people out there that just can't find the time and, you know, life's just crazy, it's chaotic, what are maybe a couple of little simple activities or simple actions that they could put into place to really affect the way they're feeling, their energy and their overall happiness? Well, I love working with food because it's so relatable to everyone. I mean, every person has to eat food every single day or eventually, you know, you're going to die pretty quickly if you don't. So, While a lot of people don't have time and they don't want to dive into a mindfulness or meditation practice, I always recommend starting with looking at what you eat, not just because of how this is affecting your health, but there's tons of scientific studies and evidence out there that shows that the things that you eat can have a drastic impact on your mood, your well-being, your states of stress, anxiety, depression, uh, obesity or lack of it, and so many things that you wouldn't even think would be connected to, hey, should I go eat this oatmeal in the morning or should I go have the (laughs) Pop-Tart? And uh, definitely not the Pop-Tart, I'm thinking. (laughs) Probably not, but most people, they just don't understand like literally how these very small and simple choices can have a profound impact on their mood and their well-being. And if your mood is elevated and you're happier, it even boosts your immune state. Your immune system works better. It keeps you healthier. You are not as apt or as prone to getting sick or coming down with illnesses as someone who is not as happy with their life. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Now, you mentioned Pop-Tarts. Now, um, I don't even think they're a food. I just think that is a pile of <laughs> sugar that's wrapped up. Now, <laughs> Probably. I, the amount of sugar in that is just outrageous. And to think that parents are giving those to children before they go to school is just phenomenal. Anyway, uh, one of the things I want to mention is people think cereal is healthy to eat in the morning. Now, I know breakfast, and I'm a huge believer that is the most important meal of the day. Cereal, mm-hmm. a lot of them have so many hidden sugars in them. What, what's it, some different alternatives that, you know, if parents are listening or adults or children or anything listening out there to get rid of your Pop-Tarts or cereal, what else could we be eating? I agree with you about the cereal. Uh, I don't tend to eat any sort of processed or packaged foods, but if I, 
if I have to go for the cereal for some reason, I'm going to look for a more natural alternative or brand where I can actually read and pronounce all of the ingredients <laughs> on the label. Yep, good. So that's a good way to start. Like if, if you're really gung-ho that you want to stick with that cereal routine, make sure that all of the ingredients in there are actually food. Uh, I'm a big fan of quick cooking steel cut oats. So, and there's a few reasons behind that. Uh, one of it is because there was a report that came out in the New York Times at about, I think it was in January, and they showed how science has now shown the correlation between fiber and actually uh, brain health and keeping you from becoming depressed. They found that fiber is a necessary prebiotic ingredient for your gut flora. So most people are very familiar with probiotics, the fact that you need to have this healthy flora in your body and in your gut. But in addition to having them, you need to feed them adequately. Like if you're not nourishing them, they're just going to keep dying off and it's not going to do you much good to take those probiotics. But when you're feeding them with prebiotic supplements, there has been research that actually shows that these flora that we have in our bodies has a direct correlation on mood and happiness or depression. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. Now, do you think that your fiber should be taken early in the morning? So for example, as you just mentioned, oats, so porridge is obviously a really good way to do that. Would mm -hmm. you recommend doing that in the morning to kickstart your day? And that sort of has a snowball effect on your mood and your, and your attitude, yeah. the way you attack the day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I recommend starting the day off with something very healthy. As you said, it should be your most substantial meal. And so the nice thing, like if you're making porridge or oatmeal, it really doesn't have to be boring because you can add so many other things into that, which also help to say improve cognition and brain function and give you like those proper nutrients that your body needs to actually have energy and drive and motivation. Like I love to put chia directly in my oats. I love to put nuts and walnuts in. Uh, walnuts are one of those brain enhancing foods that can actually help to pre pre um, prevent Alzheimer's disease and improve cognition and memory. So it, whether you're going to school or whether you're waking up and going to a job or even being an entrepreneur and running a business, we all need to have good memory and cognitive function or you can't sustain any of these things in a positive manner. And if it's as simple as me tossing a few walnuts in, uh, say, with some oatmeal in the morning, then, I mean, how much more simple can it get than that? It, it's simple and also cheap. You know, you can buy nuts uh, in, in bulk. Oats are nearly the cheapest thing you can buy in the supermarket. Um, so really, uh, people that are are not doing that. It, it, it is probably the simplest meal to do. And I, I like to put uh, some frozen berries on mine or natural berries, depending yeah. on the time of season with how much they cost. But um, absolutely, one of, the, one of the things you've just mentioned there of nuts, good fats. Now, obviously people uh, for so many years were always like, oh, it's got to be a low fat diet. But now there's so much evidence, you know, like with salmon and avocado that we do mm -hmm. need good fats in our life. And obviously nuts are such a good way to do that. Do you want to explain to people the idea behind sort of good fats and why we need those? Again, it's necessary for the brain to function properly and to grow. So it's even more necessary for kids and teenagers and young adults as you're actually building up your brain capacity and uh, growing your physical body. But even for adults who are out there in the workforce, we need to have those good fats because they give us energy, they help to sustain us. And when you're looking at the alternatives, like say butter versus margarine, 
Margarine has chemicals and things inside of it that are really not good for your body. Uh, and butter doesn't. I mean, butter is pretty pretty pure. I mean, you even see that like with bulletproof coffee and people putting that in there and enhancing uh, their overall drive and their energy. Or people using coconut oil in the same way or coconut oil in cooking or avocado, as you mentioned. These things will all help you to succeed and they are not going to make you fat. That is the common misconception that fatty foods make you fat. Actually, the things that make you fat are stress hormones like cortisol. Uh, your body's definitely going to get stressed out when you're trying to diet. Uh, it's a, Again, this is a paradigm shift. It's learning to think about things more holistically and make sure that you feel nourished and fulfilled so that you have the energy and drive and motivation to go out and be successful in your career or to get up and go to the gym and have a good routine and to hit your goals, whatever those may be. Like We think all the time that we need to say, lose weight or get in better shape. And it's all about these things that we need to change versus um, like, what are you doing to make yourself actually feel fulfilled and happy? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I get asked quite a lot, uh, what diet should I go on? And I don't think there's ever, the word diet is such a really poor thing. It's really an excuse for people that want a quick fix. And uh, my model is that it's a lifestyle change. You don't go on a diet. You actually change your lifestyle to suit mm -hmm. how you should eat. Now, one of those big things and one of the, the killers these days is sugar. And I look at sugar nearly like a drug because it is so addictive and people can't get off it. Um, is That's that how, true. Is that how you sort of see it? It is. Uh, sugar is scientifically proven to be more addictive than even cocaine. And, and that's so true. You see, um, I know when I was teaching uh, 17 and 18-year-olds, they would all come in in the morning with a Red Bull, a V, a Mother, um, those energy drinks. And uh, I just couldn't believe that they were putting 50 or 60 grams of sugar into their body before they'd even eaten. I, I know. It's pretty mind-boggling. But it's because sugar gives us that instant energy to be able to go out and do things. But when you come off of that sugar high, I mean, you totally crash. And I think for people that have grown up uh, with lots of caffeine and sugar in their diets, they're used to this very surface level of energy that's there immediately. And they don't recognize the difference between that and true inner vitality, like stuff that is being generated on a deeper level, like keeping the adrenal glands healthy, like so that we've got the stamina and the endurance to be able to go through our entire day without getting tired or fatigued, as opposed to doing that through chemical stimulation. Yeah, and they're always chasing that next hit, I suppose. And um, I've got one more thing that I'm really curious about before I stop talking about food. I, I must admit, I really like talking about food, Mara. But <laughs> coffee. Now, I, I am a bit of a coffee lover. I do have probably four or five a day. Can you tell us, there's so many mis, mis things out there about coffee, you know, that you should have one or two a day, any more than that's bad. It, what's the go of coffee? Because it is a superfood. Um, it is. Yeah, but mm -hmm. and then a lot of people will have a latte or they have a cappuccino. So if they're having four or five a day, they're nearly having up to a litre of milk. And these are the things that they don't realise. What's the go with coffee? How do you view that? And is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? I think it can be both depending on the person and their constitution type again. For some people, they can drink so much coffee and it doesn't affect them. So let's break this down into what you said about the coffee and then also the milk. The... 
the only problem that people can have with coffee is one, if they're using it as a means to get caffeine, so they then have the energy to get through their day, it's a compensation mechanism and that will eventually catch up with you and kick your ass. And you will need to find more healthy alternatives for that. Coffee can be really great for your health and well-being, uh, but you need to look at the type that you're consuming and make sure that you're not overly acidifying your body. Like if you drink too much coffee, some people can react to that because maybe their diet isn't as alkaline in nature as it should be, and it can lead to other health problems. So if it doesn't affect you in a negative way, then I say, yeah, keep drinking your coffee. Like if you find that you have headaches or that your body is aching and you just generally don't feel so great, maybe have less coffee. And you also have to consider what you said about the milk. Yeah. So for some constitution types, dairy and milk is not necessarily good because it increases that uh, that kapha element that we know in Ayurveda, or it, it really helps to uh, add density and weigh some people down. So Dairy can be a primary culprit in sinus problems and sinus infections. Like if we're suffering from allergies, like so many of us here in New York City are suffering terribly from allergy season right now. Milk will make that worse because it's prone to make you more congested. So you have to just be careful with these very little things. Like maybe you want to add a milk substitute to your coffee or use almond milk or oat milk or coconut or something of that nature. So just, I would just recommend finally looking at your daily routine and start to determine what's affecting you in a particular way. I mean, you may be very surprised like, to realize that some, what some foods might be doing to your physical wellness or lack of wellness. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And just personally myself, I was, as I said, four to five lattes a day. So when I added that up, I was nearly having a litre of milk and I was always feeling bloated. And um, I should mm -hmm. know this, but um, anyway, I, I've recently in the last two months just gone to long blacks or espressos and I've got so much more energy. I don't feel sluggish. Mm -hmm. And it was just simply yep. because I was having so much milk, I was nearly turning into a cow. Well, the milk really does do that. It contributes to sluggishness and density, which for some constitution types can be really good because they have the um, like vata and air element composition types. These people may have trouble becoming grounded and staying rooted and staying focused. Like that's the sort of person who would have difficulty gaining weight, say. Milk is actually good for those sorts of people because it it adds that level of density and something that's going to help them to stay grounded. But for people who are more of earth and water composition types or kapha in Ayurveda, you definitely want to avoid dairy as much as possible because it makes it even more hard to get up, to get moving, to be mentally and emotionally clear. It affects you psychologically, emotionally, and physically. Yeah, I think that is really, really true. And it Again, not one shoe fits all and you'll need to play around with that. But I would recommend mm -hmm. um, if you are drinking quite a lot of coffee, yeah, to try those alternatives like coconut milk or even just cut it out altogether if that is something that's affecting you. Now, I know there's so many more things I would like to talk to you about. So I want to move on a little bit and a little bit different now. And I know food for me is super important because I just don't think people are aware of what it's actually doing to your overall health. So that's great. And I'm sure people get a lot from that, Myra. Now, mindfulness. Um, for people out there being present today with social media, the pressures of life and just everything that's going on, what are some ways that people can be more mindful in their day-to-day -day life? 
So I always recommend that people start in a very unconventional way. And I would love to hear your opinion on this because I do not know any other mindfulness teachers who approach it in this particular way. Okay. I, I believe that the reason people are not able to cultivate effective mindfulness and meditation routines uh, is because it's like a chore. It's one more thing that we add to our list that we feel we quote unquote have to do or should do. And that eventually means that you are not going to be consistent with that. And the primary thing about the way that the mind works is through consistency. Whenever you do something repeatedly, you start to form those neural connections, which, which makes what you're doing become a habit and it becomes easier to do. So mindfulness and meditation are designed to start breaking those neural connections and enable us to adapt more healthy patterns into our life. But the problem that I find with people is not so much that they can't meditate. That's usually what they say, or they can't cultivate a mindfulness routine. It's that they're not doing something every single day consistently that they enjoy. If people did things that they enjoyed on a daily basis, if they took 30 minutes to an hour of personal self-care or me time, and they were able to be consistent with that, I guarantee you they'd be able to be consistent with the meditation and mindfulness routine. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think it's consistency. So it's like everything you do, and I love this saying that um, we don't stay clean unless we have a bath each day. So we do recommend washing daily, and it's the same mm -hmm. with anything you practice. If it's a daily routine, if it's meditation, anything like that, and I totally agree. The big one for me these days is play. So I think everybody needs to set aside 20 to 30 minutes every day, um, even if you have to schedule it in your calendar, to have just childlike play where you forget everything else that is going on in the world because you're so engaged in actually what you are doing. And um, for me personally, you go to a primary school and you see kids running around, they don't have a worry in the world and they play all day, but the older we get that sort of seems to get less and less and less because life takes over. We've got kids, we've got a job, we've got a mortgage and we seem to forget that we need to play to live our life. So for me, allocating time each day to play is probably the biggest part of being mindful and actually present in the moment. And it's also a wonderful way to draw those positive opportunities to you because when you have that heart and the disposition of a child, you're open to possibility and wonder. And the reason why a lot of people are so unhappy is because they're not open to that sense of possibility. Yeah, and, and it's really funny now, and I'm sort of going off a little bit of topic, but a lot of the work I do for corporates and workshops and things like that, people... I try and get them out of their comfort zone and people actually don't know how to do it anymore. They're, they don't know how to just let themselves go and play and this is something I see as a really big issue because they're, they're worried about what other people will think or they, they just physically don't know how to express themselves like that anymore. Do you, do you sort of see a trend like that, more? Like people just can't get into that moment. Absolutely and that's that habitual response that I was just speaking about is you get so acclimated to being in your zone and acting like an adult that you, your mind literally doesn't know how to break out of that and do something different. It takes conscious effort to establish this new routine. And that means that you have to do these new actions every single day if you literally want to rewire your mind and be successful at it. And so many people just don't want to put the time into doing that, which is unfortunate because being able to accomplish anything it's very simple. It just requires consistency. 
And if people were to adapt these routines of taking time to play, as you said, I think they would be surprised at how positively it's impacting all areas of their life, from their relationship to their career to even their physical health. Yeah, and and I think what you just mentioned there, affecting everyone in their life as well, because that is going to relate to the way they bring themselves across their energy, their happiness, which affects everybody around us. Now, you mentioned a little bit before about um, routines. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask my guests, do you have set daily routines where, you know, you'll do every day? And I think you just obviously meant uh, meditation and things like that. But are there other things that you will allocate time or you do every day? Uh, meditation and mindfulness. And, and for me, mindfulness, uh, everyone should have their own personal definition for mindfulness because it can mean so many different things. But for me, it's really understanding how my thoughts and my beliefs and my actions are impacting my present, where those came from in the past and how they're apt to shape my future if I continue on the trajectory that I am now. So I I sit and I reflect every single day. I I use that art of inner discernment as a form of mindfulness to make sure that I'm on path to where I want to go. I do meditate daily. I find that to be uh, very important for me. And I also visualize. Like I have a... um, like a visualization board that sits on my desk, which has got all of my goals for this year. And I make sure that I spend time every day looking at that and also visualizing and projecting the reality that I'm creating for myself. I like that. And that way you are constantly looking at it. And with goals, I think people, I don't think people pay enough attention to them. And for me, I personally get up every morning and I'll set a goal for each day. Um, And it's sort Mm -hmm. of, I think it gives me guidance and it gives me something to achieve. And then I'll reflect on that every night. With your goals, how do you have like daily goals? Do you have three month goals, yearly goals, five yearly goals? How, How do you sort of schedule that? Yes, I definitely have yearly goals. I have longer term goals than that as well because some things, you know, it usually takes a good two years to fully manifest a new vision. So you definitely have to think in the long term and and two years is optimistic. Like if you're really doing the work every single day, Uh, I also set daily goals for the things that I want to accomplish in the course of the day. I set goals for the things that I feel I need to do every three months. That's going to keep me on track to accomplishing those yearly goals. Like it's really important to have the overall vision, but then you need to break it down into those action steps. Like what are you going to do each and every day to further the goals that you have on your vision board or the goals that you have for yourself? I mean, if you don't have a vision board, I highly recommend that you make one because it's very important to be able to see your dreams in some sort of a concrete, tangible fashion. Whenever it stays in your head, that's usually where it stays. It doesn't end up manifesting in reality. But when you take that step to put it on paper and to put it with an image and to start to connect your emotional space with it, it makes it more accessible and easier to accomplish those goals. And I I totally agree. I think it sort of comes back to that seeing and being reminded by that constantly. And I think another thing, like you just mentioned, I I don't like to read books on my iPhone or, or my Kindle because I like mm-hmm. to walk past the books I've read because they remind me of something. And I reckon the visual board is exactly the same as that, that it constantly reminds you, yes, I'm on track for this. I need to work harder. I want to get this. Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't even have a Kindle. Honestly, if I'm going to read a book, I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. 
Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I love that. And I think more and more people are going back to that just simply because screen time these days, we are always looking at a screen, which is, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not good for our health at all. And I think that flows on to the next sort of part where I want to go to, that there's so much screen time we have and that we can never really shut off. We are never sort of practicing meditation. We're just, we're always on. Sleep is really affected by that. Now, mm-hmm. the importance of sleep is just so much evidence out there. Um, people that are getting less and six hours sleep a night and I know some people say oh I I function on that I don't need sleep what's your theory behind that Myra? Some people can actually function on less sleep and they've shown that this could be due to genetic reasons but for most people I, I think you really should try for the six to eight hours a night some people even need a little bit more than that I would say trust your body and do what you need to at any given point in time because your cycles are going to vary But getting adequate sleep is so important. Like, don't take your cell phone with you into your bedroom. You know, don't have anything that is going to stimulate your mind or your emotions when you're trying to go into that sleep time. Like, I have a rule in my house that cell phones go off and they stay outside of the bedroom. I think that's like a great way to start making sure that you sleep better. Um, There's another way which a lot of people don't know. If you run your feet under cold water before you go to bed, like while you're massaging them and like rubbing them, you can use some sort of an oil if you want to. That actually helps to calm people down and get them into a place of sleep more easily because we lose heat out of our head and out of our feet. And actually being too warm at night will keep you from being able to sleep soundly. Well, there you go. I just thought I couldn't sleep at night because my partner likes having three doonas on the bed. (laughs) (laughs) That could be a part of it too. (laughs) And I think, uh, is this, this is obviously true, but uh, males are constantly a lot warmer body temperature than females. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, well, no wonder. That's why we uh, struggle to sleep when the heat is on and we've got so many dunas. But I've never heard that tip about uh, putting your feet under cold water and massaging you. So that might be something that we can go on with. Now, uh, Myra, people would be loving all this quality content that you're producing. Um, I want to get onto some of your products where I'm really, should be super impressed, which I'm I'm really sure that you are. But you have got a number of different books, uh, bestsellers around the world. A couple of them have been translated into 10 different languages. Do you want to explain a few of your books and or how many do you have all together? So I have the one book that is available now in 10 languages. It's called Vibrational Healing, Attain Balance and Wholeness, Understand Your Energetic Type. And that book really helps people to understand what their unique composition type is from that elemental system that we've been talking about. So there's quizzes in the book that help people to determine that. And then it discusses all sorts of natural and alternative approaches to healing and how they're going to relate to your individual constitution type so that you can start to find modalities and approaches that you're going to resonate with and that are going to work better for you. So that that's like, uh, I think that's foundational to this one size fits all doesn't work for everyone. And it, it gives a lot of theory behind that as well. I also offer mentoring and coaching with individuals to help establish more of that conscious daily routine and help people to overcome specific problems that they're facing and to take the next step towards accomplishing their their goals. So that's uh, most of what I do on an individual level. I also work directly with corporations and companies with wellness in the workplace initiatives. 
Uh, I have some collaborations going with builders and interior designers on actually how to design your home to be more compliant for wellness and how to work with your design in a fashion that is going to be conducive like for your individual health and wellness needs. Wow, that's, uh, I think that is amazing because obviously you spend a lot of time at home. So to get that set up correctly um, from day one is super important. How does that come about? So from the actual building perspective, uh, there's definitely things you can do to make the home more conducive to well-being. Like there's actual wellness building standards out there which incorporate things like more use of natural light and water filtration and like specifically like how you're using like the electricity in your house. But there's also the Vastu and the Feng Shui perspective. So like Feng Shui is more about your design, but Vastu is more about how actually the home is constructed and built, like the positioning of different things in the house and the directions and how that's going to affect your psychological temperament and your emotions, which can then have a direct and pretty profound impact on your health and well-being as well. Really cool. That, that does make total sense. And I suppose if you can get your living right, your eating right, your sleeping right, and being sort of present and mindful day to day, you're going to live a very happy, healthy life. Um, absolutely. And it's much more simple than people think. It's just making very small changes and being able to stay consistent with them. Like even if you only shift a millimeter in your perspective or approach, that can have really profound impacts over six months, a year, five years, 10 years. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Now, Mara, I really appreciate your time. Um, On the show notes, so if you go to energetic.education podcast, this is episode number 63. It'll have links to obviously download Mara's book if you want to check out more of the amazing things she's doing. She's got videos from being on Harry TV. She is a super celebrity, nearly a celebrity these days, you'd say. Um, getting there, definitely. One of my longer term goals is to have my own nationally or internationally syndicated show on health and wellness lifestyle. Fantastic. And, and I have watched a few of your videos on Harry TV and it, it does look good. I'm sure you're getting much closer to that goal and I hope that's on your vision board as well as having your mentoring and everything you offer. I'll have links to that in the show notes. Mara, thank you so much for obviously taking the time out of your day to share such insight with everybody out there thanks for having me i really appreciate it stop don't go anywhere if you love today's episode then you'll love to stay up to date with everything we are producing if you are part of the apple family and have an iphone or an ipad simply go to energetic education on itunes and you'll be able to download our new app for free This app has all of our videos we've created, our blogs, and every episode of the podcast where you will never miss another episode. So go and download today and start enjoying this free app.